0: Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. And it's 10 minutes after 8, and joining me is Katie Bielfuss. She is the Outreach Programs Director at the Wisconsin Wetlands Association. They are dedicated to the protection, restoration, and enjoyment of wetlands and associated ecosystems through science-based programs, education, and advocacy. And they are a member agency of Community Shares of Wisconsin. Hey, good morning, Katie. Great to have you on this morning. Nice to hear your voice, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yes, how are you? So, um, is it so? I, I was happy to talk about wetlands in January. Um, <laughs> right? Um, it's so cold out there. Um, so, let, let, let's just define um, what wetlands are. We'll start there and then maybe talk about wetlands in the wintertime. But, um, yeah. what are wetlands?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, wetlands are those places on the landscape between the places that are always wet, like lakes or streams or rivers, and the places that are always dry, like upland forests or prairies or whatnot. You know, natural communities exist on a continuum, uh, so there's some wetlands that have a lot of water and other wetlands that only have water for part of the year and that's part of what makes them so interesting and exciting right They're they're different every time you go you're gonna have a little bit of a different experience because the conditions are going to be different and the variability is also what um, is a sort of indicator of the services that they provide to us because they are the places on the landscape that are there to help us manage water because water doesn't come in equal amounts all year round right there's some parts of the year that are rainier or snowier than others And the wetlands on the landscape are those areas that help us manage that sort of sudden influx of water or the sudden sort of loss of water when you have a a drought. So really, really important for managing water on our landscape. Also very important for wildlife habitat. Something like 75% of Wisconsin's wildlife species depend on wetlands for at least part of their life cycle. So they're very critical resources on our landscape.
0: And say more then about what... What Wisconsin Wetlands Association does, and the importance then of wetlands conservation
1: Thanks, yeah, so we we of course work on wildlife habitat, and that has been um, the issue that's been the driver of wetland protection um, and discussions over the years. But a lot of our work is is focusing more these days on um, the important services in the water management arena that wetlands provide, helping communities manage. Floodwaters, helping communities um, address water quality challenges. So we work um, across the board with uh, with local communities who are struggling with some of those issues to help them find the wetland piece of the solution. Wetlands um, can't solve all of these problems by themselves, but they many of these problems can't be solved without talking about and figuring out how wetlands need to be part of the solution. So we're a really, it's a really important um, part of the conversation. We also work with private landowners who own wetlands and are curious about how they can best care for them. So we help provide them with resources and tools to, and connect them with folks that can provide them with technical expertise to answer those questions and provide the support that they need.
0: So our, you know, I guess what amount, what percentage of wetlands are, are privately held?
1: That's a great question, and our, you know, it's all a little bit of a back of the napkin kind of calculation. But when you look at the of uh, the GIS, the geographic information system data about um, what, where wetlands are in Wisconsin and and where the property ownership boundaries are, we estimate that about eighty five percent of uh, potentially restorable wetlands are in private hands, and seventy five percent of the remaining wetlands in Wisconsin are in private ownership. And I should explain a little bit more about those statistics because um Wisconsin has lost half of the wetlands that we once had. Uh so that's mostly to um conversion to another land use type. So for example, draining an area um in order to be able to use it for agriculture or draining an area in order to build communities. I live on a filled wetland, I confess it's not something I loved to, to To know but um, you know here in Madison uh, I live along Lake Mendota or near Lake Mendota and in my area was a probably a marsh that connected Lake Mendota and Lake Monona at one time but was filled in order to you know create our community our city so that's where we lost some of these wetlands historically and the good news is that some of our neighbors have lost more like 90% of their wetlands and so relatively speaking we're doing okay but 50% is a lot to lose right if you lose half of your wetlands you've lost half of those services, you're going to see an impact from that. Um, so, but the private land ownership piece is really important because 75% of what we have left is in private ownership. And I think many of us think, oh, we've got Hork-on-Marsh, we've got you know, all these big state wildlife areas and state parks, and they're super important, and they're only a small fragment of what is out there. Uh, and a lot of, of this, these wetlands are on private land.
0: And are folks aware of that? It isn't like it's on your deed or anything, right?
1: No, there are there are some um, uh, there are some rules that real estate agents are supposed to follow in terms of disclosure, right? To make sure that somebody knows that the property that they're they're purchasing or considering purchasing does have wetlands on it, and then that will challenge, you know, it will limit to a certain degree, a small degree, what they might be able to do with their property. Um, I find that a lot of wetland owners are buying those properties because of the wetlands, because they want the scenic beauty and the, um, the wildlife habitat and visitation that comes from that. Um, but, of course, sometimes folks buy a piece of land anticipating being able to do one thing or another to it and might find out that they can't because there's a wetland there, and there are both federal and state regulations that protect wetlands. They are not as strong as they used to be, those regulations, both at the statewide level and uh, federally, but they are there nonetheless.
0: Hey, let's, yeah, tell us more about about the rules. So if it's known, then there's some laws that that needs to be disclosed to people who are buying the land for whatever reason they might want to know about it. What other protections are there? Um, Mm -hmm. And... You know, you you say that not as much as before. Why is that?
1: Yeah. So the Clean Water Act federally used to be um, the the piece of legislation, the regulation that provided the blanket protection for um, wetlands across our nation and in Wisconsin as well. Um, and that is that you know our our legislators saw a fit to that they saw the relationship between the water quality and uh, um, other. You know, like wetlands that are adjacent to water quality for providing some of those services in in the Clean Water Act and decided to protect those wetlands, but over the years, court cases have whittled away at the protections that um, the federal government is allowed to uh, exert on across the land. so there was a court case in the early 2000s that whittled away something, it was called the Swank Decision, um, actually took place, the the court case happened in in Illinois, outside of Chicago, the area that was uh, being adjudicated. Uh, And then more recently, um, there was a decision, and of course it's the morning, and I can't, I'm forgetting the name here, but it'll come to me, so don't worry about it. There was a decision in this last summer that uh, also, again, changed dramatically what the federal government is able to do, to regulate through the Clean Water Act because of this court case, and so that actually stripped um, uh, what we call ice, what some people call isolated wetlands, off of the list of federally protected things. So there are some parts of the country where wetlands basically don't have protections in, in anymore. Uh, of course, Wisconsin happily, um, our legislators saw fit in the late in the early 2000s when the Swank decision came through to um, put together state-level protections to cover the gap when those protections were changed federally. So we were the first state in the nation to step back up and say, no, it's really important to protect these areas, even though the the Clean Water Act can no longer do it. Um, Our state has also whittled away at those because regulations do impede what people can do, and that runs into conflict, right? Folks don't want to have... Um, uh, somebody be able to say you can't do that to your land. So those fed, those protections have been whittled away at the Wisconsin level, too. They are still stronger here in Wisconsin than they are in many parts of the nation, but unfortunately not as strong as they once were. I will say, having spent that much time talking about regulation, that our our organization is really working hard. We support regulation, and we will defend it, but we are working really hard to help folks see that we all should want to protect wetlands. It shouldn't be something that somebody has to make us do, but that they, by protecting them, we actually get benefits from them that they're important. So we're working on voluntary solutions um, also to, make, to, to, to promote that without it being something that the government's telling you that you should have to do.
0: So so let's just say, say more then about the role wetlands play, and then let's just talk about what lives in wetlands and why we love them so much. Um, but, uh, you know, why are they so important? What do they do um, uh, in terms, what's their role?
1: Sure. Well, a lot of folks might have heard the phrase wetlands are the sponges on the landscape, right? They are those areas that are, There to help absorb and store water, and often there are also areas where water that's at the surface can percolate down into the ground, into our groundwater, and places where groundwater can um, come out of of the ground and be part of the surface through a spring or a seep. So um, that is a, certainly an important function. But the other thing that they do that folks don't often think about, and I, I didn't think about for years and have really been learning more about it recently, they significantly slow down and dissipate the energy and the speed of flows during floods. And this it reduces erosion and the loss of sediment and debris, and those kinds of sediments and debris in fast-moving water can really intensify damages at road stream crossings and other places downstream in the river. So by being there, the, you know, there's, there's kinds of wetlands that, that develop along rivers and streams, and by allowing the water to spread out in those areas, we slow that down, that, that gush of water. I mean, you've probably had the experience, Jan, when you've got water coming out of your garden hose and you put your finger on it it gets a lot stronger, right? The water coming through the hose comes out and you can spray your kid or your friend or your neighbor, right? And uh, so when you have water moving fast through these areas, it's a little, it functions a little bit like that, right? It functions like a fire hose if you're pushing water through a very small space. So providing wetlands provide space on the landscape where the water can spread out and slow down, and that's, some of the, that's one of the really important um, benefits that they provide to us
0: the so wetlands right now in this really cold weather what's happening in wetlands right now well a
1: lot of them are frozen and i was joking with somebody on the phone yesterday who said oh it's my favorite time to go to wetlands there's you can walk on the water and there's no mosquitoes and so <laughs> that's all fair and uh and i and that's true although there are some wetlands that because of the groundwater interaction um, they don't freeze as solid because they've got water percolating up from the groundwater that is, you know, forty, fifty degrees. That's going to keep that area from freezing because of that in- introduction of the of the warmer water, relatively speaking. So it's a it is a time of quiet in wetlands, um, but there's still a lot going on, and there's often a lot going on underwater. There's a lot of folks who say, H- "What happens to the poor little frogs and the mm-hmm. turtles that are, that are in there?" But they all are remarkable. At their ability to slow down their metabolism, you know, different species have different techniques. But basically, slowing down metabolism and just hanging out under the water in the frozen mud. Some frogs can um, freeze; like they have some sort of antifreeze in their system that enables them to survive in an environment where they are basically frozen over the course of the year. Um, I mean, over the winter, that is. So uh, it's a it's a time of quiet right now. But folks, it- things will come to come to. Be more exciting in the spring when things start to melt and you know the uh, ephemeral ponds are one thing that are really particularly exciting early in the springtime because that's where the water melts first right the the, there's water that pools up on the landscape when the ground is frozen and there's er early uh, excitement happening on the amphibian front in there people know the spring peepers and all those good things calling in the spring
0: you know um I want to direct people to the Wetland Coffee Break program series. They're so they're they're perfect warmers for the winter time, um, and you have the um, archived programs, um, and you've got programs coming up. So if you could talk about the old programs and um, what's coming up, and then also the conference and February second Wetlands Day. So let's just do some events.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for bringing up the Wetland Coffee Break. This is a free webinar series that we started back in 2020 when we were all stuck at home. And it's been so fun and so well attended that we've just kept it up. Um, and we that happens about every other Friday morning. Um, on Zoom, and we have cov- we've covered topics from amphibians to wetland soil types to w- wet restoration techniques and invasive species management. We cover the full gamut. All of them are recorded, and as you said, posted to our website. Um, and if so, if you wouldn't visit WisconsinWetlands dot org, the top uh, of that website will have a link to our wetland coffee break page. And that's where you'll find both upcoming um, coffee breaks and a, and a link to a, an archive of all of our past programs. So we've got three years of these webinars um, that you're welcome to come and, and visit and watch. They last about 45 minutes, so it's meant to be something brief. Um, the presentations are about 20 minutes and then a, a, a Q&A session with our audience members. So that's one thing. We also have a wetland science conference that's coming up February 20th to 22nd. It'll be up in Green Bay this year. Um, and that's two and a half days of presentations, workshops, roundtable conversations, and other activities um, and great networking with other wetland professionals and wetland enthusiasts. Um, so those are, that's happening there. You mentioned uh, World Wetlands Day. That is February 2nd, which seems like a crazy time to be celebrating wetlands, at least here in Wisconsin, when everything is frozen. But it is an important day internationally because it was the day that the Ramsar Convention on Wetlands was originally ratified. Uh, back on February 2nd, uh, 1971, I think it was. Uh, And that's a global treaty where folks uh, come together and talk about the importance of wetlands and exchange information and promote the value of wetlands for both wildlife and people.
0: Katie, it's just great hearing you talk about wetlands and what lives in wetlands, even if... Um, they're a little bit dormant this time of the year. Hey, what's coming up on the Coffee Break series? Because this looks interesting oh. to me, and I just um, I think folks would just like to hear about
1: it. Yeah, so we have um, a talk on February 2nd uh, coming up with uh, Rory Pulaski from the Wisconsin DNR who's going to be talking about the Massasauga rattlesnake. Who knew that we have a rattlesnake in Wisconsin that's dependent on wetlands? And Rory is studying that for her Ph.D. She's a um, a conservation biologist with the Department of Natural Resources and doing this as a Ph.D. on on the side. And so she'll be in talking about that, which is going to be great. Um, And then we have a little break while we run the conference because that takes a lot of effort on our staff's part. And so then we'll come back in March with a two-part series on dragonflies and damselflies in Wisconsin.
0: That is so fun. I just wanted to hear you talk about it. The um, it's every other. Well, no, that one's March first, Friday, March first. Um, someone from the Wisconsin Dragonfly Society. Yeah, I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so. so we put
1: those programs out. You know, we 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 are. I'm always booking those, and so um, check back. If and we usually have at least three or four coming up that we you'll be able to sign up for, and we'll send you a reminder and all that good
0: stuff. And then for uh, landowners, circling back. Uh, who might want to know about how to conserve or preserve the wetlands on their property. Uh, can you just, how, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Well, if you uh, visit our website, wisconsinwetlands.org, we have a whole section of the wetland, of that wet website for landowners. If you use the little drop-down Learn, there's a for landowners section with a lot of great information and resources. We also have a little handbook primer for wetland landowners that helps walk through some of the basic questions and provide some information about um, some thinking that you can do as a landowner for setting goals and um, identifying what kind of land you wetland you have on your property uh, and then where you can go for more information. So that little handbook is also available. I think it's like 10 bucks, which is not much more than what it costs us to send you. Um, so check that out, too, because that's a really nice uh, starting way, and certainly if folks Um, We are a member-supported organization, so we invite um, folks to become members if they support this work, and uh, we really appreciate that and appreciate the support that folks provide uh, through Community Shares of Wisconsin as well.
0: I'm speaking with Katie Bielfa. She is the Outreach Programs Director at the Wisconsin Wetlands Association. Hey, Katie, if folks want more information, can you tell them your website and contact information?
1: Absolutely. WisconsinWetlands.org is our website. We also uh, welcome your phone calls, 608-250-9971.
0: And um, check out the Wetlands um, Coffee Break series. Um, Katie, you do a great job. She's the host.
1: Thank you. It's a really fun program, and I get to learn a lot, which is my favorite part.
0: Um, thank you, um, Katie Bufus um, from the Wisconsin Wetlands Association. Great to talk with you this morning. That went by fast.
1: Fun. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, Jen.
0: Take care.